We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon, Chris, and Rob. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. We are so thankful that you've tuned in to this first episode of the new year, the year 2024. And I'm one of your co-hosts, Brandon Bramlett, and I'm joined here by two other wonderful, wise co-hosts, uh, Chris and Rob. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. It's good to be here. I feel like I haven't talked to y'all since last year, so just had to slip that in there, but I'm doing great. Good to be here. Okay. <laughs> We're kicking you off. <laughs> so. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll be graceful and overlook that, you know, Christ forgave our many sins. So we'll, we'll, we'll pass that one by. Um, we're so thankful that you all tuned in and that you put up with us and uh, hopefully you learn a little something that helps you to love Jesus and live faithfully for him. And, uh, this episode is going to focus on the book of revelation. We're still talking through the seven churches of the book of revelation mentioned in revelation chapters two and three. And we're still talking about the so-called dead church that Jesus addresses in Revelation 3, verses 1 through 6, the church in Sardis. And I wasn't on the previous episode that covered this, but from what I can gather, we covered verse 1, and we're going to pick up right where we left off. And uh, yeah, no surprise there uh, to fill that whole time slot talking about one verse, but you know that's what you get with three preachers. Yeah, and, and one, we're going to pick up and our, one of them being a historian. So, correct. Yeah, 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 that makes matters much worse. So, we are glad to expound this passage, and we're excited to see what God's going to show us. So, I'm going to hand this over to Rob. He is going to take us through the next couple of verses. And so, Rob, why don't you read that passage and and tell us what Jesus is talking about there? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I was whenever you're ready. Rob, take your time. Take your time. I looked at it. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not how that's supposed to sound. Well, right. Look, when we're talking about the dead, whenever church, you're you ready, have buddy. to pretend to be dead. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I started reading it. It yeah. said, "It said, wake up!" Like with an explanation point, and I was like, I don't think that's the translation I normally read. Okay, I mean, it works. But all right, so here we go. Yeah. Verse two. Be alert and strengthen uh, what remains, which is about to die, for I have not found your works complete before God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you are not alert, I will come like a thief, and you have no idea what hour I will come upon you. And so... um, this is a, a really important to remember that this this church is um, the one that uh, that is is dead and and the first words in verse two are be alert. Um, yeah. How how important is it um, that we're alert all the time? Wednesday night at at church, we we actually talked a lot of, about this. Um, we we talked about how important it is to always be mindful of, of what's going on around us, mindful of our thoughts, how uh, Scripture tells us that we're always supposed to um, to, to take our thoughts captive, to, to be ready 
uh, in season and out of season. One of um, the guys that I have preached for me when I'm sick or going to be out of town and just so happened Sunday I had the flu. And so he filled in for me. But Brother Brad, uh, love Brother Brad. But what I love, one of the things I love about him the most, other than I know that he's going to rightly expound upon the word of God, is um, that he's always ready uh, with the word mm. um, to, 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 to fill in at a, a moment's notice. Uh, usually Amen. if I'm sick, he, um, he gets anywhere from an hour to, uh, to one day's notice that he's going to be filling in for me. And, um, and he's wonderful about always having a, a great message ready for my congregation. And there's, there's a piece when, when, when it comes to being a pastor and I don't, I don't know about how you guys feel, but one of the, the greatest responsibilities I feel is that the words that come from the pulpit mean a whole lot. And and I know that yeah, as the, sure. the lead pastor, I'm responsible for them. Um, and so to know that I have somebody like that is, is awesome, but we're all supposed to do that, right? We're always supposed mm-hmm. to be alert um, and we're supposed to be ready. Um, and so I think that what the, what Jesus is, is trying to, make this church aware of is that, um, that we never know what's going to happen. And he's specifically saying that, look, if you don't wake up, if, if you don't start doing what's right, if you don't return to what is important, if you don't start having faith, um, then I'm going to come like a thief and you're not going to know, you're not going to be ready. Um, you're, you're not going to uh, it's like the the parable of the the ten virgins, where the five had extra oil and they were ready uh, in the middle of the night. Yeah, um, and, and so he's telling the church at Sardis, "You need to be ready because you don't know when I'm coming back. You, you don't know when things are going to get tough, and so you have to be ready." Um, and then it says, "And strengthen what remains." And so the good news is that that there was something here to begin with. Um, yeah. Sardis is a, a, a dying church, but at one point there was, there was life. And we talked about it some last time that they have a, a reputation for being alive, but, but a reputation isn't what we're supposed to have. Uh, it, it's good to have a good reputation, but, but that's not what Jesus is looking for. Um, Jesus right. looks to the heart and he knows his children. Um, and so we have to, um, we have to understand that what he sees versus what everybody else sees is, is much different. He yeah. sees to the heart of the issue. Um, and, and so he's saying what you did have, what was good, you need to strengthen it. Um, because it's about about to die out, and this could mean a, a couple things. Um, a, according to our understanding of of scripture, we all three believe the in the you know the perseverance of the saints. We believe that um, that that God, once He saves us, we are eternally saved. We are given the down payment of the Holy Spirit. And once we receive that Holy Spirit, we're sealed by the same Holy Spirit, um, and nothing can take that away. There's no power in heaven, on earth, or under the earth um, 
outside of Jesus and he's the one that's sealing us. Um, and so right. we have no worry that if we are alive in Christ, that we're going to die because the second death isn't for us. But yeah. what seems to be happening in, th- in this church is that um, those that do remain and have life, they're fading. Uh, and so they're either leaving the church or the ones that were alive are dying out, whether they're being martyrs yeah. or uh, whatever ha- is, is happening to them. What what was there is not there anymore. And so it's not like Jesus is going to take their salvation away, but what he will do, as we've seen before, is he will take the lampstand away. And of course, the lampstand is what holds the light for everyone to see. It's the influence of the church. Um, And and how many churches have we seen? I was just talking uh, uh, to the church uh, about one and and brother Chris knows uh, about the situation. Well, in our hometown, there was a church um, that started out, you know, probably six, seven years ago. And man, they, they started out strong, had four or five, 600 people coming, were baptizing people left and right. And then you look at that church today and they've had to, to leave their last building because they couldn't keep up with the cost of that building. And, um, it, it's just a shadow of what it, what it once was. We, we've all seen churches yeah. lose influence and, and die out. Um, yeah. but the reason is not because Jesus has taken salvation away, but it's because the church has lost its light. It, it's losing its uh, reflective capabilities. And oftentimes that's as um, true believers see what's happening in a church and they uh, long for true Christian commun- communion with God and with others and and uh, fellowship and, and sound biblical teaching, they will start to leave. Um, yeah. And so then well, we go on. For, oh, go ahead. Well, it, in thinking about that, uh, you know, like if, if a church is not fulfilling their great commission call to go out and make more disciples, you know, they might themselves have that salvation, but if they're mm-hmm. not making more disciples, what, where is that church going to be in the long yeah. run? And so you've yeah. got to work out what you've got there and, and share it. Yeah. And, and Rob, you, you knew me when I was younger. Uh, I was a pretty good runner. I could mm-hmm. run all day. Uh, yeah. it, it worked out well for me in the army. And as long as I was running and constantly doing that and fulfilling my mission as a sports player and as a soldier in the United States Army, like I did good when I would run. But then Mm -hmm. I got out of the Army and I stopped running. And did you notice like the quick, quick fall of my running capabilities when we'd go to camp after that? Uh, because I wasn't, I wasn't constantly running. <laughs> I used to run circles around the kids at camp. And then one day we're playing capture the flag and I'm running along and I'm thinking I'm going to win this game like I usually do. And I'm going to laugh in all the kids' faces. But then all of a sudden I realized those kids 
were faster than usual, but it was actually the other way around. It's not that they were faster than usual. I was a lot slower. And could I be faster than some of them again one day? Maybe if I started running, I'm just too lazy to put that much effort in into my cardio. And uh, well, I just don't want to go to the gym at all. But because of that, I have to place. deal. Yeah, I know. But I have to deal with the consequences of not working out what I had. Yeah. And the consequences hmm. are I'm going to slow down and I'm not going to be half of what I used to be when it comes to running. And if we as Christians, we receive that great salvation that God has to offer us, that he freely gives to us, and then we never share it. What's going to happen is our, our kids aren't going to accept it. The communities we serve in aren't going to accept the gospel. And, and so, so many people are going to miss out on this gift that we're supposed to share with the world around us. And then before too long, that's what we're seeing, actually, I think, in the United States. So many churches stopped going out and doing outreach and just decided to sit down, listen to a sermon on Sundays. And then not live for Christ outside of the church and the church building, I should say. And so, yeah, we, we've got to work out the things that we got. Yeah. And I think um, you guys are really explaining well sort of the balance that Jesus brings to this. Because, you know, he says, hey, there's something urgent you need to do. You need to wake up. You need to be alert. You're dying out. You know, you've not been faithful. But... At the same time, he says, there's still something left. You haven't completely died out. So it's a great balance here. And like you guys are saying, we really, we got to stay active in the Christian life. We got to keep moving or we'll fall asleep in the Christian life. And we may even sleep ourselves to death as this church evidently was doing. So he tells them to wake up, as you guys have been saying, strengthen what remains. But there's some more counsel that he gives to this church in Sardis, right? Oh, yeah. In verses two and three, uh, what's some of the other things that he tells this church to do about their dire situation? Repent. Absolutely. Absolutely. He goes on to say, remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. And I'm sure that I've said this on here before, and I'm sure I'll say it again. Uh, repent, it, I think most simply, uh, is the idea of of turning um, away from one direction or, or one idea, one thing, and going towards another one. Uh, but too right. often, I think we focus on turning away from, and when we when we focus on the negative, it's often looked at in a negative light. It's like I, I have to do this. I, I have to stop doing this, and. And, you know, I've, I've been caught up in, in sin that, um, you know, I've, I've struggled with in, in my past and I've thought that way. And, and it's so hard to get rid of sin when your focus is on sin, uh, because the truth of the matter is that we're weak or I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm weak and I don't have yeah, the power too, to overcome sin. I don't have the will to overcome sin. I like it. I don't want to overcome it. Um, and so when I focus on the negative and trying to overcome that sin, I have to 
overcome my desires. I have to overcome my will. I have to, to, to focus on that negative. But what I'm turning to is so much greater than what I'm turning from. And so when I ter- focus on the what I'm turning to, I'm turning to Jesus. And when I turn to Jesus, I focus on his love and his grace and his mercy, knowing that if I slip up, that yes, I have an advocate with the Father, but his love and knowing him deeper in a, in a more profound way by spending time with him daily in communion through Bible reading and, and prayer and, and meditation, um, I start to fall in love with him more, which leads me to want to obey him and naturally o- obey him. Mm. And so right. I would just recommend when we think of the word repent, let's stop thinking about what we're turning away from and let's focus what we're turning to. Um, mm-hmm. The church in Sardis is is turning away from um, a, a few different things. One, doing what's right when everybody can see, uh, but when everybody's got their eyes closed or not looking, not doing what's right. And that, that I think that's yeah. evident from the, the first verse. Uh, the second verse or I mean, the fourth verse is going to talk, and uh, we'll read that in just a moment, but it's going to talk about defiling clothes. Um, that is a, a spiritual defiling of the clothes and, and, and getting it dirty. And so it's it's talking about more sin. And yeah. so turning from all of these probably inner, um, not visible sins, the, the sins that we keep to ourselves, uh, it seems like that those are the the main sins that that are facing the church in Sardis. It, we turn from those, but let's not focus on those. I think that's what Jesus is saying. Don't don't focus on those. Focus on me, because you yeah. don't know when I'm coming. And mm-hmm. and if you're not ready for me, then I'm going to come like a, a thief in the night. I don't think he's. I don't think he's saying this as a warning. As um, as you ought to fear me and. And don't get me wrong, the fear of the Lord is the the beginning of all wisdom. Um, right. But I, I think that the, it's just the beginning. I think when we truly go from fear to love, and part of loving God is fearing God, but, but when we understand that, we see that he doesn't want to catch us like a thief. Mm-hmm. He has given us the plan. He wants us to know. He, he tells the disciples that... They can now call him friend because a friend tells them to, tells his friends what he's going to do. He, he, you know, they right. don't have to call him master anymore. They can call him friend because he told him told him what they, he was going to do. And so yeah. he doesn't want to come as a thief. He wants to come as a friend who's who's told his friend, "Hey, I'm I'm going to show up. Be ready for me. Yeah. I'm going to come pick you up, and, and we're going to go have a, a nice ride. We're going to go hang out." Um, Let's get ready for the friend. And this idea of being alert or in other translations, it says be watchful uh, is a, is a warning as well that don't ever for us, as we take it, don't ever, uh, you know, quit watching. Don't ever quit being alert because this can happen to you as well. And, And, you know, that's why he says be watchful and strengthen these things which remain. And we too, must be watchful. Even if we're not in a weak moment, we need to be watchful because what can happen to us if we're not alert? We can 
we can be caught off guard. Uh, And if we're caught off guard, uh, when Jesus is saying here, I'll come to you as a thief in the night, man, he'll come and correct you if you're, if you're sleeping, you know, he'll, he'll come and wake you up if you're sleeping. Yeah. Uh, Right. And and so we've got to really be on high alert, never get to a point in your life, never get to a point in the ministry that God has appointed you to, to where you think you are just it. You are, Mm -hmm. you got it good. And, And nothing can knock you off your feet because I can tell you by experience, the times that I thought I was just the Holy roller, man, that's the times I, I got knocked on my butt. So, yeah, we really got to watch, like you said, and I don't know if you guys have thought about this before, but I've heard it said that, uh, basically the apostle Peter's denial of Christ could have been prevented if he had just watched like Jesus told him. Because remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was in great sorrow for the cross, he tells the disciples, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. And then it's after that that he's betrayed and Peter denies him three times. So, uh, you know, it could be an argument uh, to be made there that, you know, um, that big faux pas could have been prevented if he had watched. And, And many huge moral falls we find in the scripture could have been prevented if people had guarded their heart and, and watched their surroundings and the threats and temptations of sin. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked about the counsel that Jesus gives this church here. Uh, he's telling them to repent because sin is the source of all their problems. It's a source of all problems. And he tells them to wake up and, and be watchful But he gives a little bit of commendation to this church, actually, in verse 4, as we see. And as we've seen before in looking at many of these letters, um, Jesus a lot of times has good things to say about these churches, and he commends them for their good works. And we see that commendation in verses 4 through 6, I guess, here, primarily verse 4, though, right? Um, And he says, yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And he goes on to say that the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, I'm going to get your input on this, uh, fellas. He talks about these <laughs> soiled garments, you know, and 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 walking with him in white. Um, what what do you think the point of this metaphor is here? What's this soiling of the clothes and walking with him in white? What's that all re- uh, talking about? I think Robbie has got a the dead answer. church here. Yeah, <laughs> I think Robbie yeah. has the answer. Absolutely. So the, um, the the idea of the the white clothes are um, the, is the idea that that when we're saved we are cleansed completely. Um, the idea uh, can be traced back to the the prodigal son um, when he goes out and, and wastes everything with reckless. Um, living and lives with the the pigs and longs to eat what the the pigs are eating the pods, um, 
he goes back home. What's what? What does the father do? He sees his son. He runs to him. Um, one of the first thing he does is gives him the new robe. Um, the, right. the robe represents righteousness, and so this white robe mm. represents righteousness. And so when you soil it, or when you defile it, when when you um, have stains all over it, it, it's of course not talking about uh, dirtying a piece of cloth. It, it's talking about um, ruining the righteousness that you have. But of course, um, scripture is clear. If we go by our own righteousness, the best that we have to offer is, is filthy rags. Um, and so the only way that we get the white clothes, the, the white robe, as we will see later on in, in revelation, as Jesus talks about in other places, um, it is not our robe, but it's Jesus's robe. It, it's it's given to yeah. us. It's Jesus's righteousness that we have, um, because we could never offer up any righteous uh, deed, any any righteousness, any anything good, uh, because we don't have any. Everything we have is soiled. It's defiled. It's it's garbage, uh, and that's what Paul says. Right? He he goes through a list of of all these. Uh, accomplishments about how he's a, a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He did all the right stuff, went to the, the best schools, had the best teachers. Um, you know, but he, he was there at the, the stoning of, of Stephen and they, they threw their clothes at his, at his feet. Uh, all, and he did all of this for God. Um, of course, he didn't know that the God that, he was trying to serve. He was actually mocking and, and he was actually persecuting, but nonetheless, he, he did it all for God. But, but what did it account for is dung, right? Is, is yeah. the soiling of clothes. Um, right. And so that's exactly what has happened here is that, that people are trusting their own righteousness and, a lot could be said for what kind of righteousness they thought they might have because in the community, yeah. they had a great reputation, but it doesn't matter what your reputation is. If you think that, that, you know, the, the world can think you hung the moon, but if you don't have the white robe of Jesus's righteousness, all you have is filthy rags. Yeah. I think this is a good message too, for the American church today. Uh, Billy Graham once preached in a message that he believed 85% of professing followers of Christ were not truly followers of Christ. Mm. And he didn't say that to, to scare anyone. He just said that because, you know, when you look at the way things are going in our country, if 75% of the United States, which is about the percentage that are professing Christians in the United States, if that was a true percentage, true followers of Christ, I can promise you that we wouldn't be dealing with things like abortion. We wouldn't be right. dealing with things like uh, homosexual marriage, uh, the mental health crisis that we're seeing, uh, the crazy laws that are being fought about right now in the courts. So when, when we look at this, 
it's it's kind of saying, "Hey, wake up, America!" As well as it's talking, as Jesus is talking to Sardis right there, he says, "You have yeah. a few names," and, and think about that because of the seventy five percent, if Billy Graham is right, and I would tend to agree, he was right on this. That eighty five percent of that seventy five percent are truly actually lost then they're walking around thinking they're clean and they're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ dirty. They're not going to get a white robe. And so the same thing's happening today as it was in, in Sardis. There's a lot of people that have a name for themselves, that they seem alive, that their name is on a membership role of this church or that church. And they might even give a lot of charity in some of these different organizations with their churches or, or uh, these nonprofits and stuff that people uh, give to all the time. But it doesn't matter what you put on of yourself. It doesn't matter how much money you give or how many churches you worked with or how many times you went to a Christmas Eve service or, you know, whatever. What matters when you stand before Jesus is that you were given a white robe, as you talked about, Brother Rob, uh, Jesus does at the end of the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. that people stand before the Father in a white robe, and it's washed in the blood of the Lamb, and they are given a crown of the righteousness of Christ. Everything about them is what Christ did for them. It's about Christ's finished work, not ours. And so when you focus on yourself, your works, your worthiness alone, you're going to stand before God in defiled garments or soiled garments. But if you repent and submit yourself before Christ and truly follow him, He's going to lead you in his good works and he's going to give you a white robe washed in his blood and a crown of his righteousness so that you can truly stand up in the kingdom of God. And that is what matters. So whoever has ears to hear that, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, what the Spirit says to you. Amen. Amen. Man. Tell you what, that gets me excited. Yes. And, you know, as believers, we're so thankful we've been clothed with those white robes of Christ's righteousness. As you guys said, you know, in the book of Revelation, the only people you see in heaven are those wearing those white robes. That's the required heavenly apparel uh, that Jesus clothes us with by his grace. So, well, this has been a great study of God's word. And uh, is there anything else you guys want to add to this? discussion about the church in Sardis? No, I, I don't have anything else to say, brother. I, I think we summed it up pretty good, and and I'm just excited to be in the fourth season of the Faith 168 podcast with you guys. Absolutely, I agree. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and uh, hey, there we just synchronized the word absolutely, so that's good. Got a good start. Uh, we thank you all for tuning in to the Faith 168 podcast, and we hope that you are blessed by this podcast and that 
you're seeking to live faithfully for Jesus Christ in the year 2024. And we obviously know we need God's grace to do that. So we're going to pray for that grace right now. And I'm going to ask Brother Chris to dismiss us in prayer. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for giving us a time that we can sit down and just read your word and and give praise to you for the glorious gift of salvation that we have in you, that we have the ability to, to wake up and and walk in your righteousness and share your word with this lost and dying world around us. So help us to do that. Help us never to to sit back and, and get too comfortable here in this world, but to live faithfully for you every day of the week. And Father, I thank you for these two other gentlemen that I have the honor to do this podcast with. I just pray that uh, you bless their lives so that we can get back here again and and do another podcast for your glory, Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.